0: Welcome to the Owning Your Sexual Self Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Main, awesome wife and dog mom for life. I'm a sex therapist turned sex coach and I run a successful business selling relationship enhancement products. I absolutely love talking about all things sex. So you can expect this podcast to explore all things related to women's sexual health because that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you discover and embrace what brings you pleasure so that you can own your sexual self. If that sounds good to you, then keep listening and let's fucking do this. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me on this bonus episode of Owning Your Sexual Self. Today is World Maternal Mental Health Day. Yes, today, May 5th. Some of you may be out there celebrating Cinco de Mayo today. Um, If you're out there getting your drink on, totally understand, totally support that too. But you know, this podcast is all about spreading awareness around topics involving women that I feel are very, very need to know. And oftentimes some things that are, are pushed onto the surface and that don't get a lot of attention or talk or are taboo. And you, you know, you know my style by now, hopefully. But today, you know, if you're a listener of mine, you know that I myself am not a mother of a human child. I am a dog mom for life. And so that's why I wanted to shed some light on today's awareness topic with three of my closest friends who are all moms. So I have three of my friends today joining me, Dana McWilliam, Sarah Harrell, and Lauren Libkman. These are three mamas that we are going to just have an open discussion today talking about the struggles that they have faced after after birthing their children. And why why is this a topic? Again, today is World Maternal Mental Health Awareness Day. And I'm pulling some topics here right, right from the website itself, World Mental Health um, Awareness Day website, <laughs> which, of course, I'll link in the show notes here. So this is a group that works towards helping mothers and helping babies. In many countries, as many as one in five new mothers will actually experience some sort of maternal mood and anxiety disorders, these illnesses frequently go unnoticed and untreated, often with tragic and long-term consequences to both the mother and the child. So we're working today, and this organization as well as this podcast episode is working to raise awareness around this topic. Women of every culture, age, income level, and race can develop perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, and, and symptoms can appear anytime between pregnancy and the first 12 months after childbirth. There are effective and well-researched treatment options available to help women recover. And I'm hoping that this episode is going to, again, shed some light on this topic and also inspire somebody that might be listening today to reach out for help, reach out for support, reach out to another mom friend that's out there because the likelihood that she might be experiencing some of the similar struggles that you're going to hear throughout today's episode is pretty, pretty common. All right, and I want you to know too, your illness is not a crime, right? Sometimes women are considered to be criminals instead of patients needing treatment. in In the case of 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 this mental health awareness, right? Through if we're looked down upon if we are struggling after having a child or we're not understanding things or we're we're taking more time for ourselves, right? All these things can often be looked down upon, and. It goes to say that we have to change our attitude around that. We have to change our outlook around that. Increasing awareness is going to drive social change with a goal towards improving the quality of care for women experiencing all types of perimental health disorders, right? So reducing the stigma of maternal mental illness. So the next time you run into one of your mom friends, instead of just saying, hey, how are things going? You're likely going to get an answer that's like, oh good, you know, just just keeping up, doing the best we can. You know, you're going to get something, some laissez-faire answer like that, likely. But I want this episode to really encourage you to ask that woman, how are you really doing? Truly, how are you doing? And be willing enough to sit there and listen to what she has to say. You don't need to be a problem solver. We just need to listen to what the people in our lives actually need. All right. So welcome to our interview today. As I said, this was a bonus episode. So I'm very excited to have three of my besties on with me all living the mom life. And like I said in the intro, this is not something that I can relate to, but I can see through their eyes. I know they have a very impactful message for everybody here today. Um, So I'm joined again with uh, Lauren Lipkman, Sarah Harrell, and Dana McWilliam, uh, three moms that are doing the damn thing. And they're going to share with you today about their struggles that they experienced with the with the quote-unquote mom life, the the good, the bad, and the, bad, and the ugly. Um, so I'm going to have each of them introduce themselves first, so that way
1: you get a little bit of
0: um, background to their lifestyle that they're living. And so, Lauren, you're on my left, so I'm going to have you go first. <laughs> All
1: right. So I'm Lauren Lipkman. Um, I have my son. is going to be two years in June. Um, I am a stay-at-home mom. I have been the entire time since he's been born Um, I also run a business full-time and then my husband um, works full-time from home thanks COVID yeah
0: (laughs) so everybody's home pretty much all the time with Dawson all the time okay and then what is your what is your family support like outside of the home good bad not so
1: good Yeah, I have really good support. So um, my sister was the only one who actually, like, watched Dawson for a long time, so I just bought a house across the street from her. It was just more (laughs) convenient. Um, And then my parents also only live, like, 20 minutes away, so um, they are super helpful, and I'm sure we'll get into that more, but they're super helpful with keeping him when he decides not to sleep and such.
0: Nice. All right. Thanks. All right, Sarah, tell us about your life. (laughs)
1: All right. I'm Sarah Harrell. I've been a mom for a little over a year and a half now to a wonderful baby. Um, So my husband and I both work full time. We have childcare a couple days a week. Our family helps us out. Um, But for the most part, I am working and watching him when I'm at home. So that's pretty fun. Um, When I first had him, I I did have my own business. Um, It was a little challenging to kind of juggle that with. We had a stay-at-home mom, too, because we didn't have much child care at that time. Um, so now, yeah, we're just trucking along.
0: Nice. And <laughs> most of your – so with your child care and the support, you also have a pretty strong family network as well.
1: Yep. Yeah, so all all of his grandparents are involved. They see him on a regular basis. Um, and then I have my little sister who's 18. Um, she's going to college next year, so she's been babysitting for us a couple days a week as wow. well.
0: Awesome. All right, Dana, you are up.
2: Hey, hey, Um, Dana McWilliam here, and I have a, I have two girls, I have two little girls. One is a little over two years, she's 27 months old, and the other is just turning nine months. So it was two under two for some time, (laughs) which was insane, but I'm excited for the future of that. (laughs) Right now, it's challenging. Um, So, Josephine is our oldest. And when I had her, I was still... I do my own business. And so, I was doing my own business from home. And my husband was a full-time teacher at the time. And so, I was doing my job plus watching Josie. And then, due to COVID, my husband got laid off last June. So, he's been laid off this whole time. And... We had our daughter Penelope in June of last year. So, laid off, had a baby, crazy pandemic. It was not the most fun time. But um, it actually has kind of been a blessing in disguise. It's so helpful that he's home mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, just have two under two and me doing my business and not having him home. I can't imagine how that would have gone. Um, I give all the props to, you know, parents who are able to do stuff like that because it was challenging even with him home. And we have, we are thankful (laughs) that we have an amazing support system. We do have Josie go to daycare two days a week now. And that started in September. Otherwise, she was home with us, you know, all the time. And then our daughter Penelope is usually home with us all day, every day. My parents do take both of them every once in a while. They have them for a sleepover tonight. So, adult time. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, so we have that great support system. The only bummer is that my husband is Canadian. So, they have not been able to meet Penelope. So, she's almost nine months. They've never met her. And so, that's a big challenge and something that just is just not a great situation due to COVID and stuff like that. So, Yeah. uh, yeah, that is that's us.
0: All right. Yay. Okay. So my first question for you three and whoever wants to answer first, you, you all can see each other. So you can do a little hand race for whoever wants to go, but I want you to think back about the time when you were nine months pregnant, you're about to give birth. And what was the information that you received about mental health awareness in that moment?
1: So for me, um, I watched my sister go through postpartum depression. So my family, um, my oldest sister, was very adamant about making sure I knew, like, this is a possibility. So make sure you reach out to one of us. And they, like, watched me like a hawk, basically. Um, and then also I had a midwife, and she would make sure to constantly ask me questions about how I'm doing. Am I getting out of bed? Am I getting ready? Um, and she made sure to, to keep up on um, checking on me as well.
0: Anything from, well, you said your midwife, but anything from any other medical professionals, like day of giving birth or leaving the hospital or anything like that? No. That you remember. I I know that's hard.
1: No, I, no. I think mostly they focus on like the baby, but, and breastfeeding, but um, they don't really ask you anything or they didn't ask me anything when I was leaving the hospital or um, after
2: birth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Go ahead, Dana. So you asked that and I had to actually really think about it. I don't know if I got a whole ton of information. I think I also had a midwife and you know all the midwives I spoke to were very great, you know, asking about me and how I was feeling and stuff too. The only thing I remember in the hospital was doing a like postpartum survey and you like did your score. Mm. And then you had to do that every time you went in, you know, after for the checkups, checkups and stuff. But there wasn't a ton of information that was given. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, That I guess that's the only thing I really remember.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, it's uh, kind of the same with Dana. I really had to think about it because... It was the same, like, I, you know, after you give birth, like, you have to take the checklist or whatever, Are you feeling this, this, and this, and then, um, when I did my follow-up appointment with the gynecologist, it was, you know, the same kind of checklist, but really, that was it. I didn't, you know, like, I got, I took a packet home from the hospital that had everything from, like, how to take care of a baby to how, how to take care of yourself, and so, like, really, the only information I really got was, if you feel any of these, like, call your doctor type mm-hmm. of thing, mm-hmm. but... It wasn't much.
0: Yeah, I imagine like you go to your school counselor, you know, in high school, and you're like, "I'm, I'm thinking about uh, starting to cut myself." And they're like, "Here's a pamphlet." If anybody watched Glee out there, like the counselor had a pamphlet on everything. I'm like, that feels like the education that we get, or like the awareness that spread around something like this.
1: And and for people that have never really, like, I've never had depression before. I've had a little bit of anxiety, but. How, how does someone who's never experienced that supposed to recognize, you know, those symptoms with just a survey, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And the survey that you were both referring to, was it mental health focused or did it include a, a variety of things?
2: It was mental health focused. Um, it was just kind of asking, you know, do you laugh as often as you used to, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And yeah, I would say similar to Sarah like you don't if you haven't had that previous experience like oh you're just given this survey and you don't want to be the person who's like yeah I'm having a really hard time on like you just check it off mm-hmm. you know like it just it's kind of a weird process to be like here you go and now you're gonna see my scores like 55 or something you know like if, if it is or something
1: yeah oh.
0: okay so that, I love that you brought that up, Sarah. So how, for any of you that want to answer this, what's, what changes started happening or what what were you starting to see on a day-to-day basis that made you maybe think more about, okay, am I, am I, ha, do I have postpartum depression or what is this postpartum anxiety? Like what is this, you know, what, what happened for you guys?
1: So my, my first week was really tough. Um, my husband took time off. He took a week off to stay home but we had a like a choking incident so we ended up back at the hospital and we actually had to stay overnight in, in the children's hospital so by the time we got home he had to go back to work so on, on our first day like being home without any support or anything like i was completely alone and i think that entire week i called at three o'clock i had a mental breakdown every day at three o'clock begging him to come home because I felt like I couldn't do it. I I just felt overwhelmed. I would drive to the store and I would ball my eyes out on the way home, like coming home from the store, like, how am I going to do this? I don't, I don't know if I have what it takes. Like, I don't know what to do. You know, everybody says like, Oh, maternal instincts, this and that. But when your hormones are shifting that, mm. that much, it's how do you listen to your instincts? You know? So for me, it was really hard. I did I wasn't like, I got home and I was like, oh, I know how to take care of this baby. I was like, oh, shit,
0: what do I do? Yeah, and that's scary. You you had just left the hospital and then had another tragic incident, got a week later, and it's like, when do we even now have time to sit down and and learn how to take care of a baby? And then Alex going back to work, it's like, all right, here I am. (laughs) When are these instincts going to kick in and, like, teach me all the things? (laughs) Yeah. What about for Lauren or Dana? Anything that you guys noticed early on?
1: So for me, Eric was home or my husband was home for 13 weeks. So I got really lucky. Like his job was amazing. Um, but so mine was postpartum anxiety and I had PTSD, which we'll get into. But um, I didn't really notice it for a long time. But I think now looking back, I started shutting out like a lot of family members or um, like my parents would like, just drop him off or, you know, we'll watch him for a little bit. And I was like, no, like I wouldn't let anybody watch him. My sister maybe watched him for like a half hour. Um, and then I also was very comfortable, like leaving him with his dad and leaving the house. Like you always hear people talk about how it's so hard to leave. And I was like, out. like, I right. <laughs> gotta go. Um, and my sister was like, okay, let's chat because. As great as it is that you don't mind going to Target or whatever, there's something going on. You're, you're very comfortable, and you're also pushing a lot of family members away. Um, and I, I think I, I did it with friends, too. Like, I really didn't invite people over a lot. Um, so those were kind of, like, the signs for me that I noticed, mm-hmm. um, along with I was very obsessive about emergency situations and how I could – what I could do if there was one. So I would like Dawson's um, car seat had to be right by the window in his bedroom with um, like a, a larger size sheet. So if there was emergency or fire, you're on the top floor, I could tie it and lower him down. Like these were like um, things that I thought of constantly. Like, OK, if we're out and somebody tries to take him from me, what do I do? Do I put him in first? Like, I went through all of those scenarios in my head before I could even leave the house with him. Mm-hmm. So I think that was it for me.
0: Was was that a normal, like, instinct for you before having Dawson, like, anxious or thinking about emergency situations?
1: Um, I've always been very, like, self-aware or aware of my surroundings, um, but I don't – it was never that severe. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, as a woman, we, we are aware of what, what's happening around us, but never that severe where I had, like, plans in place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah
2: scary so for me I had two very different experiences having both of our kids because the first experience and I don't I don't know if I would say I had postpartum depression either time I definitely had different emotions Mm -hmm. both of the times and stuff and so just kind of going back and thinking okay well what was that trying to tell me and stuff like that but When we had Josie, Matt was still working as a teacher. His parents came and stayed with us for 12 days. It was a lot. I was thankful, but also wanted to, like, thinking back, I'm like, I'm never going to get that time back where it's like me, Matt, and our child, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. our first kid, you know? And so I specifically remember I would just always go upstairs and nurse just to, like, be away, you know, and, like, have my own space. And, and I would, like, go up there and cry sometimes, like, with no reason why. It wouldn't be a ton, but I would just – that's just what I would do. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just because maybe I was feeling overwhelmed with wonderful help. I was, a, I was thankful for the help but also wanting our own space. And stuff. so it was just a very, it was a very different experience. We had lots of help, right? We had everyone there. We had 20 people in our hospital room. We had all this stuff. And then we had Penelope during COVID. We couldn't leave our room. We couldn't have anyone visit. My parents wore a mask when they saw her. We didn't do anything. And so literally one extreme to the other, Matt's parents to not met them or mm-hmm. met her, you know? And so was much more emotional after having Josie and I remember I was in the car and I don't even know what we were talking about and Matt like said something in like a different tone or like a different way to say something and I just started crying he's like what what did I say I was like I don't know I'm just more emotional like just broke down into just hysteric <laughs> I guess but I didn't have I would like, I remember crying just a little bit with Josie just as like, okay, like, emotions just kind of overcoming. And with Penelope, it just felt different where it was like, okay, well, I like, just can't explain my sadness sometimes. And it just like comes and it's super overwhelming and it's a lot. And then I just, I'm okay. And I, I think a lot of Penelope's after experience, like after we had her was because we were so like locked in, you know, and we couldn't see people, not that we couldn't, we, we chose not to see people right. To stay safe and do all that stuff. And so it was really, really hard. First four months of her birth were not fun or of her life. The birth was fine of her life. They were not the most fun. (laughs) She was a very hard uh, infant and stuff. And so they were just total opposite extremes all the help, no, like, no help. I need mean, my parents' help, but, like, we didn't really let them help as much mm-hmm. kind of thing just because we were kind of staying to ourselves. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. It just, I remember getting to Minnesota when I was there over the summer and you know, middle of COVID, and you're, like, Josie comes running up, wanting, of course, to hug, and, like, Dana's like, no, we wave. Like that, we just wave, no more hugs. Like that is the freaking world like that we live in now. I mean, hopefully it's starting to open up soon, but it's just so sad. And I was doing another interview recently about um, a a doctor talking about teens and, and their sex life nowadays. And it's like, your kids are leaving and you're like, okay, be safe. Like, make sure to wear a mask. And, you know, five years ago it'd be like, be safe, please make sure to wear a condom, you know? And it's like the, it's like just a different, it's a different world now. Um, so anyways, my, my next thing I want to ask, so one thing that I hear from a lot of of moms is that when you become a mom, you lose a little bit of sense of self. You have now this other person to take care of, and a lot of your own self-care, your own self-love very much goes on the back burner. Um, so anybody care to speak to that <laughs> subject? Go ahead. So oh. <laughs> I might
2: be, as I'm wearing my self-care sweatshirt today, <laughs> I may be the opposite or the one that stands out on the other end because I've seen so many moms fall into that as well. Mm -hmm. I have many friends, family members who I've thankfully got to see them, you know, raise their children and stuff like that. And I feel like that is something I'm very, very good at. I know when I need a break. I know when I need space. I ask for help. 24 7 literally all of the time and so I feel like that is something that even though I had my moments of sadness or whatever it may be I remember calling my mom Matt had hockey and I remember calling my mom I was like you might need to come over and I was just like crying and Penelope wouldn't stop screaming and I didn't know what to do and like I was was felt helpless right Mm. but picked up the phone and I called my mom and I was like, I need your help, Yeah, you know? And so I think that's something that I am super thankful that I've always made sure I've made that a priority.
0: Yes. And I'm very curious to hear from the other two because my other two besties on here are the type of women that will not ask for help at all. And they're the do-it-yourself type women. So go ahead,
1: Sarah. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> so my whole life, like, I ever really ask for help I'm just not that type of person I just my you know I'd rather do stuff myself I guess so for me like that was like the biggest adjustment was recognizing when I need help and how to ask and who to ask and just you know just trying to identify like what someone else can do for me um so thankfully I have a really supportive partner so you know there's I can't tell you how many conversations where we sat down and said, okay, I have too much on my plate. I do this, this, and this. Can you do this for me? Can you, you know, this is what I'm struggling with. What can you help me with? So it's taken a really long time to get to that point. Mm. Um, but as far as the self-care thing goes, I just want to say for me personally, there is a difference between self-care when your baby is an infant and self-care when your baby is a little bit older and more independent so, the first couple months of postpartum, it's not like, "Oh, just take a bubble bath and have a glass of wine or get a babysitter and go out and have a date night like my most basic needs were not even being met, so for me, it was like okay i'm not, I can't go out and enjoy dinner with my husband when like I haven't even slept or you know I haven't even showered today or I haven't eaten anything and I was breastfeeding at the time, so I'm, like, earning extra calories, so I'm hangry on top of it, but, so, like, the first couple months self-care is, is, I think, is going to look a little different for a lot of people just because you're taking care of a newborn, you have a really hard time just, like, meeting your basic needs, and that's what you really need to focus on, and then, you know, once your baby starts getting, like, a little more independent, like, I'd be able to put my baby in a a walker and then take a hot shower, Mm -hmm. and I know it's not going to go anywhere, it's not going to you know, get into anything because you can't get out of the walker. So then, that, then the self care comes with a, a nice hot shower. And maybe you know, call my husband. Did you leave work yet? I'm gonna crack the beer right now. Like, <laughs> You know, so it, it's it's very different. I think when you when you first have that infant.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. I remember right after Noah's born and we were like, yeah, come over. Like, we're having a party. Like, mom's night out. Right. And you're like, uh, no, <laughs> like, fuck off. Yeah. Like, it was, yeah, it's hard. And it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's hard for people that, that don't have children to under, understand or people that are about to have children to know, like, what's, what is likely going to come? Because our very first question is like, the information that we get is not, not helpful. It's all just, oh, love your baby and, take care of your baby like make sure you're doing the right thing and yeah it's, yeah there's so much more to the day-to-day
1: I, I remember that party <laughs> <laughs> I I struggled a lot in the beginning um because I I was trying to breastfeed but it wasn't working out very well so I was exclusively pumping which is like a whole other thing and I, I want to say like the first week that I gave birth I had I got 15 hours of sleep total the entire week it was like two hours a night it was ridiculous. And then, it, you know, it didn't get much better because, it, you know, I had to wake up in the middle of the night and pump, so I would sleep for, like, four hours at a time. So, yeah, it's hard. Like, you, I didn't want to go – I didn't want to stay up late. I'm like, I could be in bed sleeping right now. Like, I don't get to do that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like, rent me a hotel so I can just have a weekend of uninterrupted sleep, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice.
1: Okay, so I think mine is – even more different because Dawson slept a ton and I was that person that was like don't like the baby when he's sleeping <laughs> like he'll wake up when he wants to eat um, and I only was able to breastfeed for two weeks because he I wasn't producing enough so um, mine was not the sleep problem mine was like I love doing my hair and makeup I love wearing cute clothes that is like my thing and that was devastating that like every time I put a cute outfit on like a few minutes later I would have to change because he threw up spit up like something happened and there was some bodily fluid of his on me and it was disgusting. So <laughs> which is, it, it's reality. Um, So that was the hard part for me. And I kind of just shut down completely and just did nothing. Like I loved like just was life was like sweatpants and leggings and That was just not what, like, I loved getting dressed up, Mm -hmm. so that was really difficult for me, Um, and I also really loved wine previously, Um, and in my head, again, postpartum anxiety, I could not have a drink at home with the baby, or even if Eric was home, if we wanted to have, like, a drink together, I could not do it. One of us had to be completely 100% sober, Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of sucked.
0: Yeah. So, Yeah. I remember when you found out that you were having a boy and <laughs> Lauren talking about how girly she is and how much she likes you, right? She's like, what the hell am I going to do with a boy? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and
1: now I completely understand why I have a boy and I'm yeah. 100% good to be a boy. Like, love being boy mom.
0: <laughs> yeah. She's like, he's going to play in dirt and, like, pick up worms and, like, all these boy things. That was the best.
1: <laughs> Gross.
2: Can I jump in real mm-hmm. quick and say something, too, that I didn't have with Penelope, but I had with Josie that I think made the world of difference, and I'm not sure, Sarah, Lauren, if you guys were able to do something like this, but I joined a like mom's group right after having Josie, and it was through AMA. I don't know if that's a nationwide thing or not, but mm-hmm. it was through this you know, this uh, company that just got new moms together. They also have like, oh, a second time mom and stuff like that. So I was super bummed I couldn't do it with Penelope due to COVID. But that I think was so helpful because you're talking to moms who were experiencing the exact same thing you were at the exact same time because you do it based on how old your kid was. Mm. And so we would... They would actually kind of make us get together outside of our weekly meetup. So we would go for mall walks on Fridays and then we'd meet on Tuesdays. And so I think having that played a huge role in just being able to kind of relax and know that I'm doing all the things I need to do. And, you know, even hearing the teacher being like, hey, the baby is fed. The baby is changed, they're still crying, go hop in the shower and it's okay. Like your child's okay, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that was just really helpful having that support system and network to just bounce ideas off of, you know, learn about what was going on with other people and stuff too. So that's something I didn't have with Penelope that I have with Josie that was a huge lifesaver, I think.
0: Yeah. I can imagine you're on your mall walk and you're like, listen to what my kid did this week, right? It's like being able to get those things off your chest and hear from other people that their kids are just as crazy as your child is.
1: I really wish that I had done something like that because I I really didn't know a lot of people that, like, had kids. I had maybe a couple of friends. Maybe I wasn't close with them or, you know, just, like, a handful of people. So a majority of my friends – like, don't have kids, so it it wasn't like I could pick up the phone and, like, call one of my friends, and then, like, with the mom thing, like, yeah, my mom had kids, like, 30 years ago, though, so, Mm -hmm. you know, things have changed, it's different, and even, like, my mother-in-law, she had a year of maternity, like, when she had, um, her son, so, like, I didn't have that, and I really wish I did, because as I got, like, more used to it, and I started, like, other people started having kids, like, I would try to be that support for someone else. Um, like I have a group of girls at work, um, their kids are a little bit younger than mine, but they all like come to me like, Hey, like my kid's doing this. Is this normal? Is this weird? Like, what do you think about that? And I'm like, Oh, let me tell you what I went through. Mm-hmm. But I really wish I had that support system. I, I try to go to a couple like breastfeeding support groups, but um, with like my work schedule and stuff, it never really worked out. But I feel like if I did have that, like a couple people to talk to, it it would have made a world of difference. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Definitely. And if anybody wants to shed light on the topic of your body after pregnancy and how that may play part in, in anxiety or depression or self-love in in any way, shape or form.
2: (laughs) So I remember with my oldest Josie third trimester, I was like loving myself. I was big as ever. And I was feeling so sexy. I don't know what was happening, but it was great. But there are so many things after birth and at like after everything happens that they just like, no one like talks about it. No one normalizes it. No one's like, oh, hey, cool. So this is going to happen. And then you're going to have to like feel like you're wearing a diaper for about two weeks and you have this huge ice pack. And people can hear it when you walk, but they're not going to really say anything because that's weird. And like it's just so awkward, all of the things afterwards.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: like You have this wonderful human, but all the other stuff is still going on. And then you still are sleep deprived. And then you are still like not back to your normal weight or all this stuff. And for me, I remember you hear over and over and over again. Oh, you're breastfeeding. Oh my gosh, the weight's just going to fall off. Mm. Fuck that. It did not fall off. (laughs) I'm telling you that much. Okay. I've worked my butt to get back to like a pre-pregnancy weight. I'm not even there yet. Like, you know, like, yes, I did have another child in between. So rightly yeah, so. Yourself um, slack. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I eat a lot of malts during pregnancy and gain quite a bit of weight, but you know, I enjoy it. So, but I think that's the thing where it's like, you hear all this stuff like, oh my gosh, don't worry about it. It's going to fall off and da, 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 and then you're like, well, oh, no, none of my clothes fit how they do. I just, kid you not, just recently started wearing normal clothes again. Besides that, I was in all my maternity clothes, all my postpartum clothes that were just like Joey from Friends, elastic waistband, turkey style, right? And yeah, it's just it your body changes so much. It's so different and it's just not talked about a lot.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I know Sarah, when you were Yeah, you I wanted you to talk about the all the Instagram accounts that you were following. It's like all these women that are just like beautiful and like lose their weight immediately, like you're like, this is not real
1: life. Yeah, I remember when I, um, I think I was still pregnant, but I was, like, looking at all, you know, I started following all these mom accounts and stuff, and it's, like, like, they would take up they would take a pregnancy picture and then put it up to a postpartum picture, but they would wait, like, nine months, and so, like, their body's, like, perfect and everything's back to normal, and I'm, like, no, I ended up taking a picture, and I, like, it was, like, two days after I still had the belly, like, I'm still swollen, <laughs> but, Your body goes through so many changes and people, they do not talk about it. Like Mm -hmm. I had no, I had, I had a natural birth. I mean, I had epidural, I don't know, whatever, vaginal birth. I had a vaginal birth and I didn't realize like how long it was going to take me to recover. And I did it. I only got like two stitches. It wasn't like I ripped myself in half or anything, but the amount of care that you have to take on your own body, it, it was crazy. And then, um, you know, it's like every time you're going to the bathroom, you have to rinse yourself off. And um, I remember when I was in the hospital, I had a really great nurse. And she was like, listen, don't wear the stupid pads. Go to CVS. Get a pack of adult diapers. I know it sounds ridiculous, but she's like, you will thank me later. And I literally wore diapers for, like, a couple weeks after birth. And it was, like, the best thing ever because the pads, like, they don't have wings. They're, like, getting crumpled up in your underwear and, you know, whatever. That's my... I'm so glad she told me that but it's like you don't realize like how I guess how different everything is like I the first time that I went to like have sex with my husband afterwards I like called my mom crying because I was like my clitoris is in a different location now like it was like pushed back or something it was so weird and I was like did this happen to you because, again, I didn't have the mom group to call. Mm-hmm. So I'm calling my own mom. Like, Mom, my clitoris is messed up. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, nobody told me that. Like, nobody told me, like, things were going to, like, move around and everything. She's like, yeah, it'll it'll, it'll move back eventually. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Jesus. So then we went to have sex. And it was really, really tight. And, like, to me, I was like... No, it's supposed to be like a hot dog down the hallway. That's what you hear, right? Like, what's going on? So I made an appointment with my doctor, and I was like, sex is uncomfortable. Well, it turns out I had spastic pelvic muscles, so my pelvic muscles were, like, just not letting go, I guess. And I I actually had to go to therapy and, like, get my muscles worked out and, like, have everything, like, loosened up and everything. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that was a thing. And Maybe. I remember I, I reached out to Rachel and she, yeah. I think it was um, Empowering Your Pelvis. I, I don't know her name, mm-hmm. but her yeah. uh, Instagram account. She's like, you need to follow this account. and like, that's what she does. And so I still follow her account. and Yeah. Yeah. After I got everything worked out. It's, it's fine. But like I, my doctor literally said to me, she was like, thank you so much for telling me that you have pain during intercourse because you have no idea how many women come in here and tell me that they don't. And, and they
0: don't
1: say anything. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm glad that you said something because now we can fix it. Yeah. But it's, it's crazy. Like, you don't – I've never heard of it before. Nobody talks about it.
0: Yeah. And it's common amongst runners, which you are a runner. So that's – or just athletes in general. And so, yeah, Amanda Fisher, will will definitely link her uh, again in here. I bring her up probably in, like, almost every episode cause she's amazing. And she has a great Instagram page, very humorous person. Um. But yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's, again, your body, you just heard two very different experiences. Your body is going to go through so many, so many different changes that, again, nobody freaking tells you about. So Lauren, anything to add?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I. so I did a water labor and then natural birth, natural vaginal birth with no medication. And um, it was like, the most empowering thing I've ever done so I remember Rach when you and Danny came up like you were the first visitors besides like our parents and I remember like being like Danny I don't have anything on you just gonna have to deal with it. like and I didn't care because I was like do you see what I just did like I don't I don't give a shit and I remember I wore a bralette which is again my thing like I wear them all the time and I was like Sorry, Rach, this is what's happening. <laughs> and you guys didn't care. It was just like, it was so accepted and fine. And even during labor and delivery, my midwife, my nurses were so accepting that I was so comfortable with my body. They were like, you don't have to wear a gown or anything. I was like, I'm going to be naked. And if people come in, they come in. I don't care. I didn't wear a gown or anything. Mm-hmm. But I just was like, my body was just such like a superwoman that I was like, yes. But can we talk about anal sex after um, birth? Because not the same.
0: Please. Now is a great time for that.
1: (laughs) They don't tell you the things that happen down there. And this cream that you end up having to use after or sometimes during pregnancy,
2: it's not the same. Right? (laughs) Dana's like. (laughs) Lauren, (laughs) hear me out. All right? I just went to brunch with a few of my girlfriends and they have young kids as well. They, like, just had them, like, a year or so ago, and she was like, oh, my gosh. Like, she was explaining something, like, oh, I, and is just, like, what I was dealing with today, and whatever. I go, Amanda, I just had to push a hemorrhoid up my asshole this morning. Like, I just, <laughs> just popped that thing back in there, with my finger. She was like, wait, really? I was like, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Apparently, I just, like, pop out every once in a while after pregnancy, too. Like, that's cool. Like, who tells you about this? No one, they don't, they don't. I can deal one. with
1: like the boobs, like the arms in the air, like 21, 30. Like I can oh deal with God. that aspect, but you really, we, we had to mess with my anus Like that was not nice. So, but other than that, I just felt like the body's different. But to me, I always tell myself like, you know, created a tiny human mm-hmm. and he's super cute. So it was worth it.
0: Yeah. For sure, and I love that you said that because that's one of the biggest um, pieces of advice that I hear from women um, is that when you are having those negative thoughts about your body or your mental health or really anything in general, it's especially for moms showing that gratitude and expressing that gratitude for what your your body did, like looking at your child, like I fucking made you, like you came out of my body, my vagina, my belly, like whatever you want to say, but that's that is empowering. You're reminding yourself of that love. Um, that's it's ma- it's magical like y'all birthed tiny humans like that is insane it's I was just thinking another friend of ours had a baby recently who is literally not even two weeks old yet and it's like I saw her on like Thursday and then Friday night she goes and has a baby and I see the picture of the baby like that Friday night I'm like that was literally yesterday that was in your stomach and now it just came out, like, it is literally crazy to even think, like, there's a whole ass human in your belly that now is, it's like, I don't know what, I was, like, not high or anything, I swear, when I was, like, making this correlation, but it's insane, like, you guys are fucking badasses, that, that's, that's all there is to it, so. Alright, so for anybody that's listening to this um, that is struggling with any sort of postpartum depression or anxiety or PTSD, anything like that, what advice do you have for them?
2: Well, I'm going to be the person that's going to say, ask for help. (laughs) Whether you are that person that always asks for help, whether you don't. I mean, I physically couldn't do it. I tell my husband and my parents this all the time. Like, I couldn't do it without them. I could not do it without support, without asking, without saying, Hey, we need a break. I need, I need a mental break right now, or I need a physical break. Like I'm going to go drive in my car for an hour. (laughs) So I'm going to say, ask for help. And if you are able to, after having your baby join some sort of community with moms around the same kind of, you know, baby age as you, right. So like with the kids, the same age, do it. It's so much better if you don't even know them. You have no association association with them beforehand. It's just your new mom's doing the thing. And that, that would be my biggest, biggest advice.
0: Yeah. And real quick before you mute again, Dana, if somebody wanted to reach out to you for uh, like mom support or questions or anything like that, or just to be your friend because you're super awesome, how would you prefer that somebody finds you?
2: <laughs> Facebook is probably my – Facebook or Instagram would be my – two biggest ones. Um, so it's just Dana McWilliam on Facebook parentheses, Swedberg, S W E D B E R G. Um, and then Dana, the entertainer with an A, not an ER, uh, for Instagram. So Facebook is probably my one that I would respond more to in, like messenger and stuff. Cool.
0: Thank you, Sarah. What's your advice?
1: <laughs> um, my biggest piece of advice is don't expect too much. Like within the first couple months like for me I, I had my own business at the time so you know I gave birth and I was like okay I'm gonna take you know 12 weeks off but then you know I have to go back to work I have to do this I you know I didn't like being at home all day so I was like okay I need to, you know the house has to be clean I have to have dinner ready like I'm home I've got to do all this stuff and I wish I just like didn't put any restrictions on myself or any like expectations on myself and just kind of like floated along for a couple months. months. Um, so I, I think that's, if, if you're that kind of person, like for me, that, that would be my biggest piece of advice is just try to focus on getting through the day. And um, like Dana said, find like a support group. I think that's really good advice as well. Um, but yeah, just focus on taking care of yourself and healing because... You know you you get all this information thrown at you about how to take care of the baby and you know what the baby needs to do and you really need to focus on yourself as well like you need to focus on healing and you know getting you know healing getting over that I guess but but yeah that would would be my biggest thing is just focus on the day-to-day stuff make sure your basic needs are being met met so don't you know beat yourself up if you know you can't go out to dinner with your husband because you'd rather sleep sleep Mm -hmm. you know meet those needs first and then you know move forward from there
0: thanks and how do you prefer people find you if they want to hang out and be your mom friend
1: (laughs) um I would say probably Instagram so it's Parcheezy, P-A-R-T-C-H-E-E-Z-Y and I love uh, meeting new moms and having mom friends and talking about being a mom and all that stuff. So yeah, feel free to reach out and chat.
0: Awesome. Thank you. All right. Lauren.
1: All right. I have three pieces of advice. <laughs> I knew you are going to ask this. So I was prepped. Put the damn baby monitor down. Oh. I was that person that was like this anytime I was like anywhere. I'm sure Rachel remembers. I was addicted. Put it down. Um, second, we are, It's always in our head that we have to advocate for our child, whether it's about vaccines, breastfeeding, formula feeding, like whatever, we have to advocate for our children. But who's advocating for you? You have Mm -hmm. to do that for yourself. So step up and be that person for yourself. Um, And my third um, piece of advice would be to have a hobby or something that you enjoy doing outside of motherhood, being a spouse household duties mm-hmm. so something that you enjoy doing personally um even if it's like a crossword puzzle i don't care have a stack of them ready <laughs> um and then if you want to find me on social media i'm um, laurenlibcomment on facebook or instagram is livin underscore the life,
0: and either of those is fine love it and i'll make sure to link all of your socials in the um, show notes so people can find you easily and I saw Dana put in the chat, too, to hire somebody to clean your house. That's another great piece of advice. Yeah, you're already managing so many things. You don't need to also be worrying about the dishes and laundry and that sort of stuff. Um, and same with your partner, especially if they are working full time when they come home. I'm sure they want to enjoy time with you and with the baby and stuff, not, okay, you're home, do this, 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 and this, you know. So that's a, that's a great piece of advice. All right, guys. Thank you so much again for um, coming on today. This was, like I said, so helpful and, and fun. And so I'm excited to hear the feedback that we get from this. And again, if people want to reach out to either one of these three, they're all amazing, badass, like fucking kick ass women to be a part of your life. So definitely reach out to them and they will be happy to chat with you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a thing. And if you loved it so fucking much, be sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see you next week. And until then, keep owning your sexual self.